Welcome to the Consumer Rights Talk, where we discuss all things at the intersection of consumer rights and the law, including issues in foreclosure, debt collection abuse, student loans, credit reporting, and more. I'm your host, Attorney Adam Deutsch with the Northeast Law Group and northeastlawgroup.com. Visit our website for more information. Thank you for listening, and as always, remember the information shared in this recording is not legal advice. Welcome back to the Consumer Rights Talk. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I want to encourage you at the start of the show to give some feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear uh, talked about on the show, or if there's something that has been useful. You can contact me on Twitter at Adam Deutsch ESQ or email me at uh, Adam at Northeast Law So today we're going to get personal, and uh, at the end of this story, I'm going to give you five tips for a consumer dispute that you might have with a company where you have an ongoing uh, service and and billing uh, agreement with as a consumer. So how does it get personal? Well, let me just put it this way. If there's one thing you don't want to do, it's mess with this guy's grandmother. And that's exactly what happened recently. And I suppose the one shining light here is that I get to demonstrate to my grandmother what I do for a living. Uh, And it's certainly... um, you know, nice to be able to help family and, and close friends who wind up in a situation that, that so many of us as consumers find ourselves in. So here's the story. Grandma is 93 years young and in, in really wonderful health. She's super sharp and doing great. Uh, we just, she, she just recently relocated from Florida to the Northeast in order to be closer to family uh, so that we could all see her more often and, and help out with things. So when grandma moves, she cancels her phone service because she no longer needs the landline that was at the property in Florida. And she was using a national carrier. She was using AT&T in Florida. And so when she closed out the account, they send her a final bill. The final bill is for $85.50, but it's wrong. It should have been for $64.03. And Grandma, being the sharp tack that she is, she really does a wonderful job of looking at all of her bills and balancing her her checkbook and really making sure that things are accurate. And she does that much better than uh, most consumers do and certainly better than I do. And what she did is she she called up AT&T and said, hey, you're off by more than $20 here. This bill for $85.50 is not accurate. Now, AT&T actually acknowledged to her that the bill was wrong on the phone, and they instructed her not to pay. So she didn't. They send her a new bill. What do you know? Again, it's wrong. It says final bill for $85.50. And at this point, there's really suggestions that she may be late, and there's a, the letter says perhaps you forgot that you have to pay this bill. And she gets on the phone again and calls AT&T and they say, my goodness, we're so sorry. You're right. This is wrong. Don't pay it. So that's the second time. And, you know, we have this repeat a a couple of times here. And then finally, again, they tell her not to pay. We will send you a correct bill. So AT&T again instructs her not to pay. She doesn't pay. And finally, they send her the corrected bill on February 11th, that's the date of the statement, and it shows that payment for the correct amount, $64.03, is now due on March 5th, okay? The bill is dated, the correct statement is dated February 11th. 
payment is due on March 5th. But AT&T, the behemoth that they are, well, they really screwed this one up. Because at the same time, they sent this file out to a collections agency on the outside. And that collections agency sends Grandma a letter dated February 21st, right, during the time period when the, the bill is not actually owed, claiming that she is past due and that AT&T has hired them to come and collect. And it suggests that, that you know, they're going to do, you know, what it takes, right? There might be a lawsuit or something like that uh, down the road uh, if, if she doesn't pay. Well, this is amazing, okay? AT&T says the payment's not due until March 5th and already on February 21st, right? A couple weeks before that, she's getting uh, this letter from an outside debt collector. And what does she do? Well, thankfully, um, she contacts me, you know, the grandson, who is able to talk her through the process. And I'm happy to say that that certainly the you know AT&T has been paid, so there is no outstanding debt. And now what I've done is I've I've followed up and I've written to the third-party debt collector, and I'm going to make sure that this process is taken care of. But here's where I want to give you five key tips, and and Grandma did a, a great job on her own with doing some of this. So here's tip one. If you find yourself in a situation like this where you have a dispute with a company over the amount that's owed and you call them, you want to keep your own written records that are made at the time of the call, we say contemporaneous to the time that you make the call, and you want to write down the time, the date, and who you spoke with. And when you're dealing with a company like AT&T and there is a large uh, you know, network of of uh, people who just deal with consumer phone calls on the customer service side, they're likely to have an ID number as well. And you want to get that information for identifying purposes. You know, oftentimes you may be told on the phone that the call is going to be recorded for, you know, uh, for quality control. Make a note of that too. I think that's useful if you go to an attorney for them to know that in fact, uh, down the road, if you need one, uh, that they can know that there's probably a recording of these phone calls. Okay, that's tip one. Tip two, you need to confirm the instructions, if there are any provided, back to the person on the phone to ensure that you're on the same page. Now, oftentimes, uh, I'll refer to this as, as active listening, okay? So the idea is the customer service representative instructs grandma not to pay and acknowledges that the final bill of $85.50 was wrong and it should have been $64.03. So I would have grandma, in this case, repeat back to the person. Uh, so are you're, I just want to confirm that you're telling me that the amount I've been billed at $85.50 is not accurate, that I should not pay that amount to AT&T at this time, and that AT&T will be sending me a corrected bill in the amount of $64.03, and that I will pay once I receive the corrected bill. Okay, so you repeat those key things back to the person, and the reason you want to do that is because, one, you know, a lot of times when you're on these customer service calls, you have um, your adrenaline pumping, your heart rate might be up a little bit. It just, it happens, right? And and you don't necessarily hear everything accurate. So number one, you want to make sure that you're really receiving the information being given to you exactly the way the person intends it. And the second thing that's really important here is you're giving that representative an opportunity to uh, to backtrack on the instructions they've given you. 
So if you repeat those instructions back and they say, nope, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying is that uh, you do need to pay now or whatever the case may be. It's important to have that ironed out because in this case, when AT&T then sends for a second time the wrong bill, we will have a record of grandma having previously confirmed that they admitted it's an error and all that type of thing. And you want to make sure you can do that as well for yourself. And then we have tip three. You want to keep copies of all the documents that you receive. Now, in this particular case, I have uh, one of the wrong bills that, that grandma did keep, and then I have the corrected bill, and then I have the debt collection letter. But there were additional communications along the way that were not kept. In this case, I'm able to do enough with what I have as an attorney, uh, but ideally the situation is a client comes into my office and they have kept copies of everything. Now, look, today you don't need to keep paper. You can scan everything, and that's good enough. We don't need to have more clutter in our lives. You never know if you're going to need something, but it really is a good idea to get in the habit of any time that a billing statement comes to you from a company that you uh, scan it or file it away and maintain it for several years because you just never know. Um, you know, in my office, I try and keep everything digital, have as, as little paper as possible, and I've really started to do the same thing at home in my personal life. And so that's something that you should do, and that's, of course, tip number three. So let's take a look at number four. Tip four, if you are contacted by the third-party debt collector, I strongly suggest that you communicate back to them in writing and not by phone. In this particular instance, uh, there's a, a letter that starts the communication uh, from the third-party debt collector. And, and they send the letter to grandma, and it gives the person multiple ways to contact the debt collector back. You can go to their website, and if you do that, your only option is to make a payment. Um, you can't file a complaint or challenge uh, you know, what they're trying to collect. You can call them, or you could send a dispute letter uh, or, or, you know, other letter to them, okay? And it's really important that you do the letter uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you want to have somewhat of a controlled environment. And once you get on the phone, uh, these companies train their employees very well uh, to try and coerce you into doing something that you might not want to do, such as paying money that's not actually owed um, or getting you to admit something that. Uh, suggests you've done something wrong when that's just not the case. So you want to really avoid getting on the phone. And the other thing is, um, when they send you the letter, uh, assuming that they do, it will have instructions about how you can dispute the debt collection activity. And that dispute really needs to be done in writing. So that's the other reason why you want to do it that way. And I'm going to throw in uh, as an addition on this fourth tip is when you do communicate in writing, make sure that you send it by certified mail so that you know it gets there. That's really, really important, right? You want to have tracking. Spend the extra couple dollars to have tracking and just know that it gets delivered. All right, so that's number four. Here's the fifth tip, fifth and final, right? You want to check after this. Now, hopefully you've sent the dispute letter, you've done the follow-up with the company itself, and hopefully everything is getting resolved. But number five, you know, six weeks later, you want to follow up and check with the credit reporting agencies to see if any negative information has been reported that could adversely affect your 
credit history and credit score. You know, once a file has been sent out to collections, there's really high odds that it has also been reported as delinquent on your credit report. And if that's the case, then uh, it's going to cause significant problems for you potentially if you go to borrow a car or you know do, do anything like that that's going to require some financing. Or even if you're applying for a job, it could affect you adversely. And there are other, you know, there's a whole different, that's a, that's a whole different podcast in terms of how to deal with that issue. And then here's your sixth, uh, I guess your, your bonus tip of the day is if you get to that point, you find an issue with the credit or anything else along the way where you feel uncomfortable, you know, reach out, find a consumer rights attorney. Uh, it, it's really worth doing. There are not enough of us out there, but we're there. And, uh, you know, you hear me say it all the time, but quite often, if there is a claim, it's going to be under a fee shifting statute and you could end up having all of your attorney's fees and costs paid for by the wrongdoer. So, you know, that's it. That's the story. Like I said, it's personal this week and uh, I'll, I'll keep you updated what happens. But I've now sent the dispute letter out to the third party debt collector on behalf of grandma. We'll see what happens, because if they continue trying to pursue this. Well, then things might end up having to be escalated, and uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted, and we can follow the story. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Consumer Rights Talk. You know how to reach me, and I will catch you next time.